mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And our text for here this Easter season is Revelation chapter 21. John had a vision of heaven and he got to see, see us there. Then I saw this new heaven and this new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You know, dear friends of Christ, tears are always hard to see in anybody, but especially in a child, I mean real tears, tears of pain, um, tears of desperation, um, true tears, whimpering, whimpering tears. And when I see a child whimpering like that, um, I just want to scoop them up and give them some love. And if I could, I'd take away the pain. Well, we all shed tears in our life, you know, tears of sorrow. But not all the tears are sad tears. You know, we all have happy tears. Uh, I always kind of, my eyes fill up with tears whenever, you know, we bring in new life into the world as a family. And with each of my boys and grandchildren, you know, your eyes well up. And then I get, when I get to baptize them and, and bring them into the kingdom of God, tears of joy. But I cried tears of sadness and grief when my dad died. Uh, he was 55 years old from a sudden heart attack, and I was 30. And I, I remember crying uncontrollably. But someday in heaven... There will be tears of joy, but there will be no more tears of sadness. No more tears of sadness. John heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death and no more crying and no more pain, for the older things have passed away. The one on the throne, of course, that's Jesus. And I'm wondering, why is Jesus saying it in a loud voice? What's he so excited about? I will wipe away every tear from all of your eyes. It's like a president announcing something fantastic, isn't it? There'll be no more death for you. No more crying. No more tears. No more pain. And so our theme for this morning, no more sad tears. You know, a time is coming when those tears of sadness, tears of fear, tears of uncertainty, tears of, of doubt, tears of anger, they will never again flow from your faces. In the book of Revolution, Revelation, Jesus says so. John got to see this heaven. He said, then I saw a new heaven I saw a new earth with my own eyes, John said, for the first earth, our earth, had passed away. The heaven had passed away. Everything we know is gone. Everything we know is now completely destroyed. And there was no longer any sea. John was privileged to get to see this new heaven and new earth. Few have gotten to see it. God has allowed, you know, five people to see it, and... Uh, but not us. In Genesis, however, we saw God, we, we, we read about how God made that first heaven and first earth, how he made this place, and the Bible says he did it in a moment of time, and he spoke things into existence with his word. Let there be, and there was, in a moment. 
a day is coming where it's gonna, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth in the same way, in a moment, in the twinkling of God's eye, the snap of a finger. Everything gets wrapped up and destroyed and re put together and remade a perfect home, a perfect creation, and we'll live in perfection with God as did Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The promise of this future blessing, the promise of this future perfect place has a profound effect on how we live today, doesn't it? We know it's coming. It makes a difference. You know, if you have an old car, an old jalopy, and you're having to drive this car, and it barely, it barely runs, and it drives you nuts, it's loud, and, and it's falling apart, you don't mind driving it if you know that at the end of the month, your rich uncle's going to buy you a brand new Mercedes-Benz. And knowing what's coming makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote of our time here on earth, he calls all these tears this light and momentary affliction. All these pains are just light, they're just momentary, but it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that we can see, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're passing away, they'll, become, they'll come to nothing Everything that we can cling to becomes nothing. But the things that are unseen, those are the eternal things. You know, God has a plan for His, for his people, for His children. And that's what the resurrection is all about. That's what Easter is all about. God has a plan. And it's not just that your sins are forgiven. That's good enough. But God has a plan for my, for my victory. He has a plan for my future. He has a plan for my success. He has a plan for my joy. A future plan is what our text is all about. And John got to see this plan fulfilled in his very eyes, in this vision that he had of this new heaven and this new earth and all the people of God before him gathered in robes of white. And there's God on his throne. And he says, I saw the holy Jerusalem, John says, the, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, coming down from out of heaven from God as a bride. This new Jerusalem coming down as a bride, prepared, beautifully dressed for her husband. This new Jerusalem. This new Jerusalem, it's the church. It's all the people in Christ. Listen to Hebrews 12 as it talks about this church. It says, but you. That's right. You. He's talking to you. He says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion, again, is Bible language for the church. New Jerusalem, Bible language for the church. Israel, Bible language for the church. But you, you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. That's what you've come to. And you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Did you know you come to that? That's what you've come to. Hebrews does not say, we will come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We will one day, we'll one day get there. No, he says, we have come. It's like we already have it. It's our, like it's already our possession. And my friends, that's what Easter has done. It is our possession. We do already 
possess it. Don't you see? This heavenly vision is your promise. And it's your guarantee. This is what you will possess. Our future life, our future resurrection, our future eternal eternity in God's presence, it's that certain. It's a promise from God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn Jesus Christ, whose names are now written in heaven. You know, the Bible paints God's beloved saints with the picture of a bride. And as you see a bride on her wedding day, never looking so beautiful as she does that day, and somehow brides are always looking the most beautiful they've ever looked, aren't they? And there we are, dressed, and our, groom had bridegroom, had, our bridegroom has dressed us, he has adorned us in robes of righteousness. So Paul sees this vision, and we're all standing before the throne of God, wearing robes of white, and on Palm Sunday, wearing palm branches and singing, Hosanna to our God, long live our King, and wearing robes of righteousness as a bride beautifully adorned for her groom. He's washed you, you see. He's made you clean in the blood of the Lamb. He's loved you. He's cared for you. He's taken all your sins upon Himself. And He's wrapped you. Wrapped you in that holiness. Wrapped you in His love. As John stood before this heavenly throng of beloved saints, John had a question. Remember from last week in our epistle lesson? We read it. You remember what the question was? Who are these in white robes? Wearing, uh, wearing white robes and, and holding palm branches in their hands. Do you remember the answer? These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation where there were tears. These are those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the ones who have come. You know, Jesus has prepared this perfect place for perfect people. However, in Romans 3, it tells us we have a problem because Romans 3 says there is no one who does good. No, not even one. No, we're not perfect. Is there a place for imperfect people? Yeah, it's called hell. So what's this place for perfect people? I can't make myself perfect. Well, that's what... Easter's all about. That's what Christ's death and resurrection, that's what Good Friday's all about. That's what Easter's all about when Christ rose from the dead and he conquered sin and he conquered death in us and he conquered the enemy. And we live. We have a promise now. It's called salvation. And we've been cleansed. We've been made perfect in the blood of the Lamb. We've been made righteous. We've been made perfect by his blood. And that's God's promise. That's what you have, God says. That's what I've done for you, God says. And in John's vision of heaven, he heard Jesus from his throne say, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God, and he will be with them. 
and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now the dwelling of God is with men. I love that. For finally now, God dwells with His people. The Greek word for dwelling here is, can be translated tent. And of course, that picture of tent takes us back to the Old Testament wandering years in the desert where for 40 years they wandered in the desert and God lived among them. Remember they said, we wanted to see you, God. And God said, I'll put myself in a tent. That'll be my glory in your midst. And in my glory, I will live in your midst in a tabernacle, in the tent. And God tabernacled with them. And then John tells us, and then the tabernacle came from heaven and in Jesus in his, own fle- in his own flesh came and tented among us. In his own flesh he came to tabernacle among us. And then the Bible says in, 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 uh, that in, Corinthian, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that, that our bodies are like tents that fold up, but one day we get a permanent body to live in the presence of God forevermore. You see, these children of Israel, they weren't allowed to bask in the glory of God. God's glory was hidden in the tabernacle behind the curtain. And only the high priest could go back there once a year. Nobody could get into the presence of God. Nobody could see the presence of God and live. Not even the high priest. In heaven, we'll be close to God. Now the dwelling of God is with men. We'll see Him face to face. We'll see His His divine glory, we'll feel it, we'll we'll bask in His majesty. (laughs) We don't even know know what that means. Jesus prayed just before He died, He said, Now, Father, glorify me. Glorify the glory of God. Glorify me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with You before the world existed. Father, I desire that these people also whom You gave me may be with me where I am to see my glory. Think of how important it is to know you're loved. Think of how important it is to know you're loved by Jesus. And if you take all the best moments of this life, all the best moments that you have, and you, you kind of pile them all together and, 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 and you put them all, roll them all into one, that joy of all the joy you've had in this life pales in comparison. It's, there is no comparison to the joy that you will know in the new heaven and the new earth. John says, there we will see him as he is. Psalm 23 says, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And to dwell in God's house means to experience his presence, to experience his love, to bask in his care, to be in his house. Perfect place. No more tears. There'll be no more death, no more mourning. You know, I want you to think about a time when people mourned. Surely you've all been to a funeral. And when you go to a funeral, have you been to those ones where people were un- unconsolable? Now, I've been to those funerals where the grieving family is so grief-stricken that they're wailing. Uncontrollable wailing uncontrollable tears flowing, the pain too much to bear, floodgates, 
they cry like that for months. And their heart hurts for years. I have good news for you. A time is coming when days like that will never happen again. There will be no more suffering or pain. (laughs) There will be no more pills in your medicine closet. I can't even imagine that. The old order of things have passed away. In that new heaven and new earth, John records these words. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy. These words are true. He does not say, it's up to you to make yourself new so that you can enter this place that I prepared for you. You have to kind of take care of yourself. You better make yourself holy. I can't make myself new. I'm too corrupt. I've got a sinful nature. I wake up in the morning. I want to live for God. By the end of the day, I've made a mess of things. I have not been the Christian I want to be, the person I want to be. I haven't loved that way. I haven't cared that way. Corrupt beyond imagination, the Bible says, is my heart. Jeremiah 17, 6 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I don't have the power. You don't have the power to take your soul and transform that which is corrupted by sin and to make it perfect and holy and acceptable to God and make it new. But that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Good Friday and Easter is all about. 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Just as the new creation is coming, this new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, and all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And then he says, you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. And then, in our text, he said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the creator of all existence. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the spring of water of life. It's done. It's finished. And of course, those were the words we heard from Jesus on the cross, wasn't it? As his life expired. It's done. It's finished. And Jesus invites you to drink freely from this spring from the waters of baptism, from the wells of eternal life to provide you forgiveness for us. And that forgiveness cost us nothing. So as you go through your daily tasks this week, I don't know what kind of tears they may bring, but I want you to think about the Greek word for tears. Uh, The word is uh, dakruin. Dakruin. It means to have the tears flow so easily. To easily be brought to tears. You know when we see each other in heaven? That is going to happen to us. We're going to see each other in our resurrected, in our perfect bodies. Our sin has been laid away. And we'll just look at each other and we'll weep with tears of joy. Look what you've become. You're here. 
It will be, as the hymnist reminds us, as we struggle through this life to get to that one, let us suffer here with Jesus and with patience bear our cross. Joy will follow all our sadness. Where He is, there is no loss. Though today we sow no laughter, we shall reap celestial joy, and all discomforts that annoy shall give way to mirth hereafter. Jesus, here I share your woe. Help me there your joy to know. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.